Hello, welcome to Gabbing with the Librarians, where Harris County Public Library staff get together to talk about things that involve books and libraries. I am your host, Jennifer Finch, from the Spring Branch Memorial Branch. We all know that sometimes technology doesn't work with us, but instead works against us. During this episode, we have members of Students Engage in Advancing Texas on our panel, including 2023 Honorary Youth Chair of Van Books Week, Datavian Daniels. Unfortunately, when we reviewed the audio, Datavian's was lost. While we wish you had the opportunity to hear the insightful comments he had to share on this topic, we were not able to recover it. We hope to have Datavian and other seat members on a future episode. In the meantime, please enjoy. Hello, welcome to Gabbing with Librarians. I do believe that libraries will be more important than ever. But it's still a problematic scene, and it's best to look and judge and discuss. Well, that really was one of the things that appealed to me and kind of attracted me to the show. I think it's also opened up a lot of doors. Publishing industry as itself is continues to get smaller and smaller. When people need to battle that misinformation, they're going to come to a library. Hello, welcome to Gabbing with the Librarians, where Harris County Public Library staff get together to talk about things that involve books and libraries. I am your host, Jennifer Finch, from the Spring Branch Memorial Branch. Today, we are joined by Nyla Vela from the Aldine Branch. Hello. Lana Sell. Hello. And Kate Hunziker. Hi. From the Freeman Branch. We are also joined by special guests from the student advocacy group Students Engage in Advancing Texas, or SEAT. Hayden Cohen. Hi. And Datavian Daniels will hopefully be joining us later. They got held up. Our topic today, in honor of the American Library Association's Banned Books Week, is censorship in libraries. But before we get into what that really means and the discussion, I would like to dedicate this podcast to someone. A few weeks ago, Harris County Public Library lost an important member of our family. Darcy was a longtime part of our podcast team and sat on Gabbing's panel several times. She felt very strongly about everyone having the freedom to read and having access to those materials. Darcy has left a gaping hole in our library system, and she will be missed. This one's for you, Darcy. Since 1982, the American Library Association has held what is called Banned Books Week to bring awareness to book challenges and the danger of censorship in our country. In the last three years, we have seen an unprecedented rise in book challenges and bans. Now, what is a book challenge versus a ban? Well, a challenge is what librarians call a person asking that a book be removed from a certain section of a library or removed from a library altogether. A ban is when the book is removed from the library. So it's more of a, they want it to happen versus it did happen. Now, there are always cases where a book is mislabeled or miscatalogued by accident and is moved to the section which the book is actually meant for. But in most cases, the books being challenged are in the sections for the audience the author and publisher meant the book for. So I'm going to go ahead and start our questions. Our first question, open to anybody, is what causes people to challenge books? There's so many things that cause people to challenge books. It's Sometimes it is... I wouldn't say legitimate reasons, but in their mind, you know, the more legitimate things of, you know, maybe the cover feels inappropriate or things like that. But then sometimes it's more like very like broad statements of just like, oh, well, we just don't agree with these point of views. A lot of it has come down to LGBTQ plus and things like that, especially as of most recent years. I think to add to that, and I'd love to say it's just, oh, every part that's narrow-minded are the ones that are challenging these books, but realistically, it's 
the issues a little bit deeper. I think it's a lot of fear. And I think we have a lot of politicians who have invoked a lot of fear in parents into thinking that there's awful, dangerous books in their student's library. And I think that's a large part of why they want to challenge it. There is also a distrust of authority. And in this case, the authority would be the librarians and the educators. There is a big distrust of, well, these guys may have gone to school for years and studied this and been librarians for years, but we're still not going to trust them yet. Um, and I think that's also part of it. Specifically targeting the Harris County staff, what is Harris County Public Library's philosophy toward book planning? Um, I mean, we just became a book sanctuary, so that was something that was just announced today. And I think that that sort of shows that Harris County has a commitment against censorship um, and for providing books about all types of people and for all types of people um, without ever silencing anyone or any authors. I work in the uh, children's section at Freeman and, you know, we're open to people challenging books and coming to us with concerns about books that they have. Uh, we have forms that they can fill out to cons- reconsider a book. But I think in general, you know, the books are are in the areas that they're meant to be for a reason. Is there ever a valid reason to move or remove a book from a public library? I mean, if you want my opinion, the answer is no. Um, like, I, like you kind of mentioned in the beginning, there are rare cases where a book is just in the wrong section. Sometimes it needs to be moved up from children's to teens. Sometimes it needs to be moved from teens to adults. And and those things happen every now and then. And that's a somewhat understandable reason. Although one thing I like about us is that we, no matter the age, no matter what kind of library card you have, you're free to check out books from any section. You know, those rare times where maybe shifting a book in the library might be necessary. But taking a book out completely, I Honestly, I was I was thinking about it earlier. I'm like, I have never really come across what I feel is a legitimate reason to just pull a book straight out of the library. I truly can only remember know of one, one example. And this is a very famous example. It's the Anarchist Cookbook. In that book, which the author themselves has asked to be completely removed, all copies destroyed, they have tried to get as many copies of the book as they can and destroyed them personally. So they specifically have asked that all copies of that title be removed from libraries and destroyed. And it's not something that we have in our library system. But at one point they were, they did have some in libraries. So that is the only, the absolute only example of a book that I feel had a legitimate reason to be removed from libraries And that was also at the behest of the author and creator of that work. Now, that's not to say that just because an author wants a book to disappear, that it should. I think that's the only example of a book that I can think of that should have been removed from a library. What can the public do to fight book banning? I always say the best place to start with anything library related is start with the ALA. Um, The ALA has a whole section on how to get involved. I had actually even printed out some of the examples and then I left them on my desk. But it has a whole list of things that you can do, ways to talk with your congressmen, way to get involved in city council, way to get involved with your library boards, even like low impact ways of like here's potential banners you can share on social media or things like that. There's also, um, I think it's unitedagainstbannedbooks.org that has a whole section of a toolkit 
um, and that toolkit has a lot of that more stuff, but even more in depth and breaks down all the different ways from the most involved to the least involved ways to just get out there in your community and try to fight against it. Yeah, supporting your local libraries. Um, I think librarians are always a good place to start if you have any sort of question. I feel like a lot of librarians are sort of superheroes in that way. They don't have an answer to a question immediately. They're going to find it for you in whatever way they can. Um, so one, putting that support towards whatever your local library branch is. And because, of course, as Libraries as an institution um, are very against this kind of censorship and this book banning. And then going to your local librarians and asking them how you can help. Maybe there's something at the local level you can do, or like we just talked about at the national level. I feel like supporting your local libraries, going to your librarians and asking them um, if maybe specific library branches are doing anything is also a good way to sort of boots on the ground, try and support against this book banning that's been happening. Awesome. That's actually, that's a really great response. On the fiscal side of things, oftentimes when books are banned, that publisher, that author, and that vendor lose money. Okay. So fiscally, you can go buy books as well as from your local bookshops, um, especially in Texas. Something students can do absolutely is speaking, speak to the school board. You mentioned earlier, speaking to representatives, Congress people, um, that's a great idea um, and a great way to kind of stay involved. There's also just literally spreading awareness. We're going to have Banned Books Week coming up, so post something about that. Talk about your favorite books um, and why they're your favorite. Those are just some small things that students can do. They can also talk to their teachers and be like, hey, can we read this book as a class? Hey, I have a local librarian I spoke to that really thinks this would be a great book for our age group. Can you take a look into it? Because I'd really love to read it. And just supporting reading those books. Yeah, I would say the first thing anyone can do is actually read the book you're concerned about. I know from experience, you know, how many people are, they want a book banned, especially from like the children's section. And you ask if they've read it and they say no, you know, and a lot of times it'll be like, I'm not interested in reading that that book. And it's like, you know, you got to figure out what the book's about and whether or not you actually uh, find it offensive in some way before you decide to ban the book itself. So a lot of the books that are put up uh, for challenge when you actually read the book have very little that someone would consider, you know, offensive. Jennifer, you're still muted. <laughs> now on this top for the next question, we talked about this earlier a little bit about the fear that that causes some people to ban books. But why do you think certain books are banned more than others? Why are why are some books targeted more than others? I'm gonna just say, oftentimes it's just prejudice and bias. Um, So I think when it comes, oftentimes we have laws that target certain communities. We have voting restrictions, we have healthcare restrictions, and those translate and correlate to, correlate to the types of books that we're banning and the antagonists, the protagonists, and the authors of those books. Thank you for that. You had some really good things to say there, Hayden. Any other reasons? I mean, definitely bias and prejudice. I think you've got it right there. What Hayden said also before was that fear is a very, very strong 
proponent. Their people are hearing parts of books being read out at school board meetings and on the news and in front of the Judiciary Senate Committee. And it's causing them to hear just this really scary portion and they're not getting the full context of the book. And it's scaring people. They think, well, why is that at a school? Well, because that book is a representation of an unhealthy relationship where someone is getting abused. And if our teens, especially the 16, 17, and 18-year-olds who are in high school, are not exposed to that type of material, then there's a very real chance that they could fall into the same trap that this person did, that part of the reason why this person wrote this memoir is so that other teenagers don't fall into the same type of unhealthy, toxic relationships that they fell into. Of course, I'm talking about why not all boys are blue. I think I got that title a little bit wrong. And a portion of that book was read out loud in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee by uh, Senator Kennedy, which I think many of us found the reading a little bit disturbing, specifically coming from him. Um, not something you really want to hear uh, a senator read out loud in front of the Senate, but it's also a very important book. And I think it has a very important place and it's very, very good for teens to read. I think something that Cameron really tried to emphasize, and it was very difficult because the senator kept cutting them off, was that just because we have a book in the library, that's because a librarian deemed it was appropriate for certain age groups. It's not necessarily appropriate for every kid that might be watching C-SPAN that day. I don't know how many young kids watch C-SPAN, but there might be a few. And it's it's not appropriate to be read out loud. Oh, God. It's not, that was not the context where it should be read. It should be read by teenagers, by older by young adults. Well, not young adults, but a bit older than that. And I think it was very difficult for this senator to comprehend And Maybe he hasn't spoken to a librarian recently. I think there's, oftentimes, there are a lot of parents that will say, oh, if I can't read this out loud at a school board meeting, it shouldn't be on libraries. Well, realistically, that's not right, just because what can be read out loud in school board meetings and what's okay and appropriate and orders of decorum may not be the same words you can use in a book that should be read by older kids and by adults. I like to uh, play devil's advocate a little bit. And I was a teacher in uh, Florida for the last five years. So I'm really <laughs> happy to be here. And, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing from parents is that they feel like they're like losing a lack of, of control. There's a lack of control that they feel like they have over their children, what children are hearing, what children are seeing. And it almost feels to me like book banning right now is like they're like a last, right? They're trying to just like control something in their child's life. And a lot of the messaging you'll get is that, well, I want to teach my child about this topic in my own way. And unfortunately, that a lot of times that leads to, I don't want to teach my child about this topic. But I think it's hard sometimes, it's not helpful really to just be like, well, those people don't like empathy. These people are just, they, they're just racist. They're just whatever. It's just an immediately you're cutting that person off. And I think these parents love their children. I think they just, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to be parents in this year of 2023. Well, and I think a 
big portion also on that is you can parent your own child. You can choose what your own child has access to. You can choose what your own child can read. But if, let me put it this way, if your teenager is at the age where they can hide what they're reading from you, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to prevent them from being able to read them. You have to extend some trust to your teenager at that point that I've raised them a certain way with certain beliefs. And at this point, I've got to trust that they're going to follow in with those beliefs and what I've tried to teach them. But you cannot make the decision for everyone else's child. You cannot make the decision for everyone else's family. What you decide for your family and for your children is one thing, but you cannot make a decision for everyone else's child that do not share the same beliefs, that do not share your religion, do not share your cultural background, your, your personal moral beliefs. That is a completely different situation. So do any of you have a personal experience with censorship? I actually, before I worked in Harris County, um, I was working at a library in Indiana, right in like the midst of a bunch of like book banning legislation and things like that. And so that was a really interesting time to be working at a library, especially in Indiana. And so there was uh, actually my reason for or one of my biggest reasons for leaving was we were able to do like staff picks, um, which I feel like is something that people usually do in libraries where you have to recommend books. Um, I ended up recommending a book that I really liked. And of course, this is amongst other um, situations that happened within this library. But I wrote a recommendation for a book. It I wrote about how it had a lot of good queer representation. And my entire paragraph about queer representation was completely omitted without my consent without anyone telling me about it. And so that was something that even after going to administration was sort of swept under the rug as like, hey, you know what kind of like community we have here, you know, what kind of patrons walk in. Um, and so that was something that I was like, oh my God, like we're in a library. We're supposed to stand for like not censoring people and supposed to stand for, um, you know, and it felt like at the time such an innocent thing to say like, oh, this book includes fantastic queer representation. But even at the time, so many people or so many library staff, I guess, were worried about how like patrons were going to take it and um, decided to omit it from from our website and things like that. Um, and so that was something that I personally dealt with. And I was working part time as a librarian. Now I'm working full time. Um, so that was actually one of the things that I was like, you know what? I want to dedicate my life to this because this is just not cool, not okay. It being like this catalyst for the rest of my life was was cool, but yeah, very interesting. Didn't know that that was something that, that still happened. Um, but yeah, that's my personal story with, with censorship. And I just feel like it's important to know that HB 900 is currently in the midst of a lawsuit right now and is not able to be implemented or enforced at the moment. So we are waiting on all of that. However, school districts can go ahead and do whatever they would like. HB 900 is the bare minimum. I know that the school districts in Harris County, uh, a lot of them are doing different things, including all of the new books in one school district were being put into warehouses to be evaluated for their appropriateness by a committee, but nobody knows who's on the committee or how to get on the committee. And students are not allowed to be on the committee, even if those students are 18 years old. And I know other school districts are pulling books quietly from the shelves. I know some school districts are, more books have been pulled on the off the shelf than have been reported. 
and there have been a few reported from the school districts. But if we alienate the school districts, then they will no longer be able to come feel like they can work with us without risking their jobs. So that's why I'm not being very specific with which school district I'm talking about. At one point, we heard they had books that had been removed from the shelves on a cart before they were moved to storage. And on the cart, there was a sign that said, if you cannot check these books out, but if you would like to read these books, you can go to the public library. They were sending them as long as the students could see the books, they were sending them to us so that the students would know where they could get the books if they wanted to read one of the ones that they could not check out from the school library. So I thought that that story was hilarious, and I loved it, and I thought it was a nice bit of minor rebellion. So the other thing is, why do you feel the rise in banning of books is an alarming trend? So the biggest thing that has been kind of the growing issue in the last couple of years is prior to the large like increase that we've had in the last year or two, it was generally like individuals, individual parents, individual families bringing up these concerns. But now with the access, of course, the internet just going more widespread and social media more widespread, there's all these different lists of books going around and it's organizations now, like whole groups of people, whether it's political parties or various private organizations, they're like going in in masses now to challenge these books, which is of course causing an even higher increase with 2022 being like this just massive increase from all prior years. And it's because of organizations now banding together, working together to try to get these books challenged. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, with all of this, you know, banding together to get these books challenged, you're always going to have groups of people who are going to be affected by this. Like, um, as we were talking about before, a lot of book banning centers around, you know, taking out LGBTQ plus literature or like literature from authors of color or about people of color. And so at the end of the day, you're alienating these groups and you are like making kids who would have read these books, seen this representation and felt seen, felt heard and isolating them. If kids aren't able to see themselves in books, if kids aren't able to see themselves in media, there's going to be detrimental effects whether that be self-esteem or like finding friends, things like that. Being a teenager is already hard enough to be able to take away these books from um, children and teens. It's just, it, it sounds like something out of a dystopian novel. And so, yeah, no matter what, in continuing to do this, um, we're hurting all of these groups that are, that are humans and also so just lovely parts of society. So I want to highlight a large part of why it's so alarming is because in this day and age, right, we use social media, a lot of us are on it, and we've got this, like, gratification bias, in a sense, where our algorithms have learned what we like, and they only show us what we like. And so we're only intaking media that aligns with our values, and that's kind of why book banning is so, it's one of the reasons why it's so alarming, is because books that are in school libraries and in public libraries, right, they broaden our view of the world, and our diverse society. And so it's one of those things that can't be catered to with an algorithm. It's going to be on your library and you can read it. Uh, obviously, you still have the choice of what book to read. But um, I think that's one of the more alarming things. And we're also getting into the fact that school curriculums, they don't provide, uh, oftentimes in Texas especially, they don't provide a very diverse perspective. They provide a very, very narrow perspective of our history and of our literature. 
even down to what books English teachers will have their students read. I got very lucky with my own high school English teacher, and she specifically loved to choose commonly banned books for us to read. She made it a point. This is before the passing of any bills. And I, I think something else, is, and as you guys mentioned earlier, there's a lot more awareness about book banning. There's also a lot more organizing around, hey, let's go ban books, right, on the opposition side of things. And I know that also led to Representative Krause's large, large list of all the books that should be banned. And that list was awful. I think because of the publicity of that list, along with so many other efforts, so many bills coming through the Texas legislature, the more awareness the opposition has to ban the books. Not that that hasn't always been an issue, though. I personally feel like we're focusing and talking a lot about banning books because it's easy you know, focusing on a book and we don't like that is a lot easier than actually dealing with a lot of the problems we have in our country. I used to kind of make the awful joke when I was teaching in Florida, you know, people would talk to me about books and they can't believe these books are getting into classrooms. And I would say like, you don't have to worry too much about that because most of the students can't read, you know, and that was kind of a dig at them. Like you're worried about this book and in reality, we should be worried about test scores, you know, like reading rates, literacy rates, all of these things that are much more complicated and take a lot more work to actually fix. It's a lot easier to just complain about, you know, the cover of a book. You're absolutely right. One of the things that I really want to make a point of is also what worries me is that when you say that LGBTQ books should not be in school libraries. What you're telling LGBTQ students is they are not welcome in those libraries. For many LGBTQ students, libraries are one of the only safe places they have. They are not able to come out at home. If they tell their parents, some of them are going to get kicked out of their homes. They cannot tell their friends because some of their friends would not accept them. Their true friends would, but not all of them. So they don't know who they can trust. And now, apparently, if they tell a teacher in many places, in many school districts, the teacher now is forced to, is supposed to, by law, tell the parents what their student told them. So the libraries are literally one of the only safe places that these students have. By telling these students that they are not welcome in libraries, you're basically telling them they're not welcome anywhere. The suicide rate for LGBTQ teenagers is so astronomically high. We do not need to be saying that you do not belong in one of the only safe places that you have to exist. That's the biggest thing that scares me about all these book bannings, especially of the LGBTQ titles, is we're telling an entire generation of kids they're not welcome to exist. This was a very heavy topic that we covered today in Gabbing with the Librarians. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to all of our panelists for being here today. To learn more about Banned Books Week, SEAT, the American Library Association's Office of Intellectual Freedom, Texans for the Right to Read, or Harris County Public Library's Collection Policy, Click on the links included in this episode's description. If you would like to join the conversation, email podcast at hcpl.net. I hope you will join us later this month for another gabbing about the cores, a much lighter and happier topic, hopefully. 
Uh, it's going to be like gremlin core, cottage core, clown core, and more. Thank you again for joining us. <laughs>